We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Partner, we've been waiting on this one for a while. Uh, like this time last year, almost, we learned that the 2000 Super Bowl winning Baltimore Ravens would have a 30 for 30 made on them. And uh, because that team, as you know well, was filled with so many dynamic personalities for that and so much more, I'm pretty fired up for this film. Yeah, I mean, 2000 squad of the Ravens is literally iconic. It is iconic. And with the way the game is played now, it's never going to be repeated again. Um, I know, Bobby, we could have requested a preview for this, but I kind of didn't want to before this interview. And I didn't want to watch it before Sunday night after the Pro Bowl so we could kind of live tweet about it to have, you know, raw reaction. So I'm definitely super excited. For sure. And that's why we called on co-directors of the film, courtesy of ESPN Films, Ken Rogers and Jason Weber to pick their brains on uh, what exactly we should expect coming up this Sunday when the film itself premieres. Uh, again, the first Sunday without true football, right? Because we're still a couple of weeks away uh, from the Super Bowl in Arizona. So without further ado, let's bring in Ken and Jason to the conversation. And, you know, Ken, I went back and checked our email thread from not quite this time last year, but I think it was April 2022 to be exact when we first sort of talked about the the, the possibility of, of getting together virtually and talking about this. And I just wonder, you know, because of what we just mentioned at the top, the dynamic personalities, um, the history that this team made on a number of levels, why now and, and why this team? Uh, I, I think Sarah hit on it, which is this team couldn't exist today. This is a, a type of football on the field and type of personalities off the field that couldn't exist in, in 2022 2023 it, it, it's a it's a bygone era so you know if you'd done this 10 years ago it would it, it would feel like yeah these guys are still sort of around ray is around you know the team's still good they're going to another super bowl enough time has passed where you can look back and say whoa things have changed you can't talk like this anymore out in the media you couldn't in the twitter verse it would this team would be you know Oh my God, they light the, the world on fire, you know, with these personalities uh, and this trash talking. And you certainly couldn't play football the way they did on the football field. It's been legislated out. And, and we show that in the film, how there there's, there's hits that just 
can't happen today. And you, you think about the AFC championship game against the Raiders and Rich Gannon being hurt, you know, that's a big part of the film. And you say, wow, that wouldn't happen today. You know, as, uh, as great as the game is, it's definitely different. And uh, that makes it worth looking back on. And the funny thing, too, is that the, they are personalities and people know them now as personalities, right? Everybody knows Ray Lewis from TV. You've got Sha oh my God, Shannon Sharp. I mean, you know, with everything that, you know, he's big on social media, he's big on a show with uh, Skip. And, you know, you know them as personalities, but I think they almost forget how good they were at playing football. And this is a chance to see how amazing these guys were. Yeah, you 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 talk about Ray Lewis there. Obviously, that was a, a a pivotal moment in his life. How did you guys go about go about telling his story? Yeah, so you know he obviously was a lightning rod that time uh, in his career. He had he had just coming off a tough summer with his trial and uh, what had happened at the previous Super Bowl, but. In a in an odd way, that galvanized both him and the team for what was about to come, because this team was not liked. I mean, they they talked a lot, and and a lot of people didn't didn't like that. And so you'll see in the movie that uh, Ray adopted this mentality from the film Gladiator that came out that that summer, and and. He ad adapted this this mantra that you have to win the crowd, and so mm -hmm. that sort of led to his coming out of the tunnel. That led to their attitude in front of the crowd. That led to them being able to go on the road and and hostile environments, and it led to their attitude as a defense. Um, and so it all you'll see it all circles around this film that is an incredible film, but still to to this day informs the Ravens franchise and sort of the mentality that they have and the identity that the city has. And, you know, it's, it, it, it's really interesting to look back and see where it all came from. And it, it, it was basically Ray watching that movie every day when he came home, <laughs> which is great. I think it's a unique opportunity to like, I don't know if there's another franchise that has one player that you can immediately associate with being like the face of that franchise. Ray Lewis was there from the beginning and set that tone. Right. And when you think Baltimore Ravens, it's hard not to think of Ray Lewis in that style. A follow up for either one of you guys being that. I mean, you just mentioned it, right? The off the field stuff for Ray in, in that time of his career and that time of his life was almost, if if not bigger, in terms of nationally than what he was doing on the field, which was pretty darn special as well. Was it difficult to toe that line? What what should our expectation be going into the film for what is covered off the field? Well, I think you'll remember, uh, you, you won't remember a lot of the details uh, of how much he talked about it publicly. And, and we have him, you know, talking to his teammates uh, about it in training camp. But the focus of the film is really how it affected the 2000 season, which hasn't really been explored that much. You know, um, you could probably do a whole film on what he went through that summer and or an investigative podcast. But this is more about how that experience led to the Super Bowl and how 
as tragic as it was and as difficult as it was for Ray it, and, and how controversial it was across the country, it also formed that Super Bowl team's mentality in many ways and, and, and might continue to inform the sort of us versus them Baltimore Ravens mentality. Yeah, that definitely, definitely still continues today. Um, another personality, obviously, that that is, I'm imagining to be highlighted quite a bit, Tony Saragusa, who passed, I believe, just one month right after you guys were were filming. What was your reaction to his passing, and how did that affect the way, if at all, the way you kind of went about producing this and telling his story? Boy, that was tragic. Um... And when we when we heard about it, we hadn't yet really figured out what the film was going to be. Uh, and we thought, does this change it? You know, how can you just show this great reunion that we put on when the ringleader of that reunion is gone? Um, but then we watched it again after the passing and it actually played so much more powerful uh, because you realized this was one final chance for them to all get together. And every time Goose speaks in this film, it's, it's so hilarious. He's incredible, but it's tinged with this melancholy of, wow, I can't believe this guy of all the guys, this guy is gone. He's so full of life. And so it adds a a deep layer to the film that uh, I think is going to affect a lot of people. Yeah, you, you're not going to see a different Goose, that's for sure. I mean, he, you know, was everything you would expect from Goose during that documentary, from the interview that we did with him to the onstage portion of the the film. I mean, it's exactly what you expect, and uh, it was it was just so much fun being around him and and seeing what you know how he got everybody excited and and also how appreciative he was uh, for the organization. And, and really what, you know, the ownership, everybody from the ownership to the supporting cast on that Ravens team, he was very supportive and, and appreciative during the reunion that we uh, staged about a month before his passing. Yeah. Just to be clear on one of the points that Sarah made a minute ago, was, was Goose finished with his requirements for taping and whatnot, or was he scheduled for anything else in terms of film? Yeah, he, he was done. I mean, we shot this over a weekend. Um, we did individual interviews with everyone, but the basis of the film is this onstage reunion that we uh, created at the Meyerhoff Theater downtown Baltimore, um, and and we brought in all of the all of the star players and, and key figures from the team, and shot everything. And so we had it in the can, and and you know it was going to be a great fun film one way or the other. Um, it was still uh, it, it was still tragic that he he won't be able to see it but he lived it and you can tell how much he cared about being there with his teammates and and like i said i think it changes the film uh you'll be laughing the whole time but there'll be a little bit of tears mixed in yeah i would imagine and you know jason tony's as you well know is not the only personality the dynamic personality that you guys worked with so was it sort of a juggling act kind of balancing all these these guys and these these personalities or, or how did you guys go about doing that 
yeah, when you've got so many different personalities, all nationally known personalities, right? These are guys that do, you know, that are on the national stage to this day. Uh, yeah, good luck trying to corral that and uh, turn it into a, uh, a do- one, a documentary and two, into a live reunion that we did, which ended up being about two and a half hours on stage at the Meyerhoff. Um, but they also play off each other. They, do, they did a really good job of playing off of each other's bites. Tony was definitely kind of the, the star of the show, uh, but everybody would get in their moments, whether it was Ray with Ray was surprisingly, you know, you expect him to be the serious guy and very intense. He was having a ball up on stage. So him and he was sitting next to Tony during the event. So these two were really playing off each other well. And then you've got Shannon on the offensive side and Shannon, believe me, he's not going to hold back and, and will tell some amazing stories. So, um, it's a little bit of a juggling act, but I think they, they've got it down now where they play off of each other pretty well, where, yeah, there's certain things that we had to direct and kind of set things up um, for kind of the flow of the, especially from the reunion side, but they knew how to cue off of each other. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So what's funny though, so I, I worked for, for the Ravens for 13 years and I was there for Brian Billick's last three years. And for those that have had John Harbaugh for so long, I mean, it's been almost 15 years. They're so different. Wow. And what I remember is when I would go to those Brian Billick press conferences, I mean, none of them would last less than an hour because he is a talker. So when you think about this 2010, you always think about the players, but what about Brian Billick? 
You're right. There's there's no one like Brian Billick anymore. Um, he I mean, he was a PR guy. He worked as a public relations director under Bill Walsh for the 49ers that, you know, he came from the world of dealing with the media before he was a coach. So he was very aware of how the media worked, what they were looking for, what sound bites were, and he delivered them. And in this film, I think really Goose Goose might be the star, but the person that people might not remember being as great as he was is Brian Billick. I mean, he led that team, and the locker room bites after wins are legendary. They're incredible. They're they're gonna they're gonna be greeted with huge amounts of reactions because he didn't mind talking trash in his mind. It wasn't talking trash. It was just stating the fact we're going to beat these people. We're going to win. Here's we're better than that. Whatever it might be. He was willing to say it because he knew his players would back it up. And when you have a team of like Shannon and, and goose and all these people, you can't repress the personality. You right. can't, you can't say guys, Let's not do that anymore. I mean, that that sort of happened the next year. The 2001 Patriots, you know, become the, the new standard of how the NFL works. And it's a copycat league. And it's all about no, no bulletin board material. Don't talk about the other team in your press conferences. Well, Billick, I mean, yeah, he, he was the exact opposite. And it worked for this team because if this team had to work under repression and rules – they wouldn't have been able to be themselves. Um, and so every team's sort of different. Brian Billick set the tone for this one. And and I know Shannon has a, an example of that uh, from his interview and from the stage where he's just like, when I came to this team, they told me, you ha- don't be anybody but yourself. You be Shannon Sharp. And his eyes lit up. He's just like, yeah, yeah all right. If you're going to let me be me, watch out. Here it comes. Uh, yeah. So how'd you guys go about telling the story, Ken, of of Trent Dilfer? I mean, obviously he left under bitter terms, but he was the the quarterback of this 2000 Super Bowl winning squad. So uh, how involved should we expect him to be in this? Well, he was a big part. He, I mean, he, on stage, he certainly talks about how tough it was. Um, he tells some great some great anecdotes, um, and, and I think enough time has passed where. I don't think he'll ever truly get over being released. Um, I mean, he, he wanted to stay. Sure. Um, and then he, he felt like he had done enough, but he also is very honest in how beat up he was, how uh, hurt he was that season, what he had gone through and that he wasn't playing his best football. And, and he admits to some, some bad plays, but then there's some great plays that he says, well, you know, I might have I might have been what the team needed and he, and he certainly was. He he was able to put aside his ego and say, "Hey, this is a defensive led team." You know, uh they would they would tell the offense, the defensive guys would tell the offense how many points they needed each week. And that's <laughs> that's discussed in the film. You know, they would go to Trent and say, "Listen, we're playing in team X. Just get us just get us six. If you can get a six point, two field goals, we'll win because our defense isn't giving up more than six. And they would there were actually, times where they got cocky where they said three, but yeah. <laughs> oh my God. They would oh actually discuss this every week of like, okay, this week, this team's tough. We need 10. Get us 10 points, Trent. And he was very open about it. And I, there's a lot of, um, 
there's a lot of controversy um, about about his departure, but I think you'll see that he still has a lot of love for the people that were up on stage, uh, certainly. And they definitely have a huge respect for him, and they made it known throughout the again the reunion and through the interviews. It's just how much they respect what he brought to that team. Uh, he didn't have to be the the star quarterback. He he knew he just got he knew how to balance his ego. He was at a stage in his career where he knew, okay, I, I have a pretty big ego, but I can bring that back and just let the other guys take control. Yeah, that is pretty impressive. So I'm curious because when you go back and watch some of the quotes from from that defensive squad, they always said that they intimidated other teams. I'm curious if you interviewed any opponents to see if that's true or if they were just more annoyed by him or were were people really intimidated on the field? Uh, We didn't interview other people. We wanted to tell it from this one night's point of view, but there are archive uh, moments where you you don't have to wonder if they were intimidated. They they were. I mean, the, there's a there's a whole there's a whole moment where against the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, Corey Dillon, the running back, doesn't want to go back out on the field. Um, oh, wow. You know, and, and there's there's clear intimidation. You can remember they played 20 games that year, four in the postseason, 16 regular season. Only five of those 20 teams scored double digits. The 15 times that the team couldn't score more than 10 points. And so this wasn't just arrogance. There there was some, there was some overt confidence, but they backed it up. They, they were intimidating. There's no question about it. Yeah. And I think every defense goes out and says, we're going to, we're going to shut them out this week. We're going to shut them out. That was the one team where you could say like, they legitimately had a chance every week to shut the team out that they were going up against. So, you know, we got to ask, I mean, it's a perfect segue. You guys have taken a deep dive on this team. You've watched probably a lot of football throughout your, your lives. Uh, Is this the best defense of all time? Wow. Uh, (laughs) One season. Look, there's, there's great defenses that have come since then, but in a different style of football, it's hard. It's hard to go against this defense. It really is. I mean, the, the, I remember that Bears team from '85. Amazing. That's probably the earliest great defense that I remember. But I, I have to say, if, if they're one A and one B, probably to me, the, the Bears and that and that Ravens. It's 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 really hard to, to uh, top them. I'll say this. I I don't like the word best. The best best is it's too general to me. I will say this, that I think they're the most dominating defense of all time Um, because there was no finesse um, needed. They they dominated through their personality as well as their on-field play. I don't know that anyone intimidated as much. I don't think anyone was as fast or – loaded from the front end with goose and Sam Adams to the linebackers with Ray to the backfield with Rod Woodson, like that hall of famers, you know, across the board that, that were dominating. I mean, there were, there, it wasn't about let's play, um, you know, safe defense. It was aggressive. And I'm not sure that any team has ever had a defense that dominated that way. 
Mm. All right, well, we'll get you guys out, out of here on this one. Um, what, what do you hope fans take away from this? And if there's anything that didn't make the cut that you wish you could have gotten in? Uh, there's a lot of stuff that didn't make the cut, but I will say that from the the film's perspective, again, it's based. The backbone of it is the the stage show, the reunion that was at the Meyerhoff. Um, it was about two and a half hours long. ESPN Plus is going to air a cut down version of that. It's about an hour of that show that will be a kind of a companion piece of the documentary. So if you want to see some some of the things that didn't make into the film, they'll be in that stage show. Um, the Brazen Ravens is what it's called. Uh, so check that out as well. Um, I think just what we've talked about throughout is like to take away what it was like to have a team that was dominating, that was just arrogant and just fun to watch um just a different style of football than i think people today might remember and if you come away remember what getting that out of this documentary i'd be happy and you might think i I think people will i i think people will walk away saying wow football used to be a little more fun you know it used to be a little less serious you know, every every soundbite that comes out now is treated like, oh, it's a big controversy. You know, uh, Burrowhead, that's oh man, that's a big deal. Oh, he smoked a cigar. That's a big deal. But back then it was it was just sort of like the Wild West and and trash talking and, and the Ravens versus the Titans. It was a different era, both, you know, in the action, the on the field action and off field personalities. There, it, it was a little more fun. And. The current NFL is incredible in 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 every way, but I do miss these sort of guys um, and how they played and how they uh, treated their uh, off field personas. And and um, I think you'll walk away saying those guys were fun. I think it's certainly fair to wonder too if 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 it weren't for social media, right? Would these guys be beloved or if it weren't for not having social media, right? Would these guys still be beloved at the levels that they are, you know? And, uh, man, I, we wouldn't be able to do this platform that we're, we're having you guys on right now without social media. But I think there was in the non-social media world, it, it was a lot of fun and it, and it allowed these personalities to, to rage. And I'm sure you guys had a lot of fun with that. So just for some housekeeping, like you said, it's going to be immediately available on ESPN after the the premiere, or ESPN Plus, I should say, after the premiere on Sunday. What is the time of the premiere again? It's eight thirty uh, Sunday night, Pro Bowl night uh, on ESPN, and yes, it's available on ESPN Plus. Little, a little less censored on ESPN Plus. You can uh, you can imagine that the broadcast version. Um, <laughs> with those We're guys pushing boundaries stage. with this yeah <laughs> there's gonna be some uh you'll hear some beeps uh the espn plus version uh is available long term um and i think drops maybe an hour later that you'll be able to uh watch it in full um uh, but the the 8 30 is the premiere and uh we know that ravens fans are gonna go wild for it mm. All right. Awesome. Ken Rogers, Jason Weber, ESPN Films. We really appreciate you guys stepping inside the vault with us today. And uh, we speak for all of Baltimore when we say that we're fired up for this one. So thanks so much for the time. Thanks so much and enjoy the film. Yep. Thank you. Thank you.